Hello everyone, welcome back to the main event. You're here for the final show of the season with me, Daniel. And Aaron. Aaron, I never thought we'd get the two Champions League finals. It's a bittersweet moment for us. How are you feeling about it? Feeling good. I'm happy that there's going to be fans there. Uh, seems good. Portugal seems nice this time of year, so happy for the fans <laughs> that get to make it, especially if their tickets are paid for by the owner of the club, but... Well, by one of the clubs, at least. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. But as we did in our kind of ranking of the finals, I'm also a bit tentative with my expectations. Obviously, finals are cagey at best. But when it's two from the same country, as we've figured out in the past, more times they're boring. And then other times you get Bayern Munich versus Dortmund. So see which one this turns out to be. Yeah, I think in terms of a history of English finals, they've has there been a good one? Uh, Spurs versus Liverpool was awful. Man United versus Chelsea was awful. Can't remember if there's been any others, uh, but I think we're two for two on awful. And if the FA Cup semi-final is anything to go by, this is going to be another awful game. So it's probably not the spectacle that we were all hoping for to defensively minded teams. I know that sounds strange to say that about Man City, but they have kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. And their best form of defence is to attack or at least to keep possession of the ball. But if they set up like they did against PSG, then we saw that they weren't creating chances left, right and centre without a registered forward. And I mean, Chelsea may as well not have a registered forward with how Timo Werner's performing at the moment. Speaking of last week's games, though, Aaron, let's have a little run through of where we are, how it all went. Do you want to go first? How many points did you get where you are on the table? Yeah, for the second leg, I got 66 points. Quite happy with that because both my captains did not deliver. So I started off with De Bruyne and then moved across to Ramos, trying just trying to go for the penalty kick takers. I mean, I didn't lose any points because of it, thankfully. But I should have just went Mares. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, and me and you straight away in the chat afterwards were like, what were we thinking? We're almost trying to be too clever. Uh, 66 points, really happy with that. So I went from, I almost halved my rank. So I went from 12,000, I think I was before, to 5,924th in the world, 121st in England and 38th in the Atlanta Fan League, up to 28th in our podcast league. Happy days. Might get a respectable score now. (laughs) Finishing that top 1%. Yes, that's the goal. Uh, For me, I got 68 points. My big hitters were Mount, Forden, Kante, Mares, Zinchenko, Rudiger, Chilwell, and Edison. Had Mendy on the bench. But I'm not bothered about losing the one point. Once uh, once Edison got his six, I wasn't going to risk those six for the extra one. Exactly the same as you, Aaron. I had Mares captain the week before. Had the captaincy on him, and it was about four minutes before kickoff that I moved it from Mares to Marquinhos. I went with my gut. I thought, you know what? I think Paris Saint-Germain can keep a clean sheet in this game because Man City don't need to win and they didn't look too threatening in the first leg. You also hit the crossbar. So it nearly 
paid off in terms of an attacking sense. Didn't quite change it to Ramos. So the, that wasn't particularly special. Should have put it on any of the Chelsea boys and it would have been much better. Bearing that in mind, though, happy days. I'm up to 1,295 in the world. I'm up to 38 in England. And in our podcast league, I'm 12, which is nice. Nice to finally start seeing the light of single digits. You're not far behind either. It's a four points difference between you and top 10. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's all to play for in there. The boys uh, by Mr. Wolf. Still top of the league with 868 total points. He's doing phenomenally overall as well. So best to look to him for this week. But AC Hamad, Ahmad Hamd, who would be <laughs> led the charge for so long this year, 81 points this week to move 20 points behind the boys. So that's really, really hot enough for that top two. I think it might be a step too far, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. But moving on to the final game of the season. The worthy winners of each leg, Chelsea and Manchester City. And what we're going to do is we're going to discuss strategies first of all. Now, we will reiterate as we've reiterated from day one that we are not the biggest experts in the world. We just like having a bit of banter and a bit of a chat about these sorts of things. And myself and Aaron find it a helpful process to talk to each other and bounce ideas off each other just so that we don't make any stupid mistakes and we can maybe think about some things that we haven't thought of before. So I want everyone to bear that in mind that this isn't gospel. This is just our opinions. But we are going to talk about safety picks versus differentials and who are these differentials, whether we should have an equal spread of players or whether we should focus on the team that we think is going to win the game, who our captains will be, and what formation do you think we should play for this game? What will going to happen if too many players have been eliminated for each of our teams? We're then going to move into our transfers and then our predictions. So let's start with the strategies. And I've already taken one step towards my strategy. I did put this on Twitter at the moment that I did it to give people the opportunity to do it themselves if that's what they think was best for their team. And that is I've made a transfer. And my transfer, which I'll talk through in a bit more depth, but just to highlight what it was, I have taken out Neymar and I brought in Duro from Real Madrid, which people are going to think, what on earth is that move, Daniel? Well, at midnight, once the game updates, all of the eliminated players disappear, obviously. So now the only players that are available are Chelsea and Manchester City players. However, Duro is a 4.6 million forward. And this is touching a little bit on our formations, but what forwards do we expect to play in the final of the Champions League? Of all the teams, of all the players, it's probably just one striker. And I have three, Benzema, Neymar, Mbappe, that are all out of the final. So all I need is one forward. I'll be playing one of them. So I went through the rest of my team and I had a little fiddle around with transfers to see what do I want as my team and is it possible to do whilst making this transfer? And the answer was not only was it possible, but I also had one other transfer left 
just in case anything happened. Now, I've got Kante in my team. I don't know if he's going to start. Also, if Kante doesn't start, quite frankly, Chelsea's chances of winning this competition really diminish. He is so, so important to them. And they've fallen off a cliff since he's not been fit. So with that in mind, I made that early transfer. And because I went from an 11 plus million to a 4.6 million striker, I now have all those funds, which spoiler alert is going to go on Kevin De Bruyne mostly and arguably Timo Werner up front, which I think it'll be a like-for-like swap with um, with Mbappe. But I can also really heavily invest in my defence as well. So what do you make of that strategy, Aaron? I really liked it when you first did it. Uh, thankfully for my team, like when I was trying to go through who I was potentially going to bring in, kind of planning ahead like I had done, which thankfully I'm able to field a full 11 this year, which I'm excited about. <laughs> Woohoo! The little things in life. Because I still, because I already had De Bruyne and I had enough money to go, get Werner in and I already had the most expensive defenders in. I already had Chilwell, Diaz and Cancelo, even though Cancelo might not play. I didn't have to try and free up funds because every position I was able to move down in funds. And so um, I didn't have to do that move, but I just thought for you who didn't have De Bruyne in already, it makes just complete sense to try to have done that so that you don't have to waste like and take up one of your positions, like do a goalkeeper transfer uh, or anything like that. So I'm happy with that. So with the idea of, of safety picks and differentials and trying to be different, I think the first thing is assess where you are in your league, whether that be a mini league or whether, you know, you've got a chance of really going for broke in terms of your final positioning. Now, if you're in the top five or 10, don't listen to us because why would you? You are doing absolutely marvellously on your own. However, there are prizes for winning each game week. So it's important to get a balance of differentials. It's pointless having loads of differentials when some of the safety players hit. So Aaron, what what safety players do you think are an absolute must for this game week? I think uh, N'Golo Kante, I would say he's... A, well, what I've done, first of all, just to kind of premise this, I've went on to the transfer page of the the gaming hub and put took off all the filters and just sorted it by their percentage because obviously the percentage going into this game people are going to have very similar teams and so I was trying to find what percentage would classify as a differential when there's only two teams left to choose from so I've kind of just drawn a line in like the most owned player is Mendy for, for Chelsea 29% so I just halved it um, so anything kind of 13% or lower I've kind of classified differential so safety players in Gola Kante 21% I think ball recoveries it's just a huge part of his game and I believe he has played both times against Man City earlier uh, in the season right, when Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea went up against Man City so Kante started both of them games so 
unless an injury happens right in the warm up, I think he's a must. Uh, especially because he's cheap as well. Foden, I think he is just because he's unreal form. He's the most selected Man City player. And I think just the penalty takers, potentially from each team, where Jorginho's right on that 13%. But I think De Bruyne, if he is the penalty taker, maybe Mares, I don't know. But I think either one of them as safety picks. Yeah, I think when you're looking... Across the teams, I think, first of all, the best thing to do is probably split things up into positions. Now, goalkeepers, you've got two choices, Edison or Mendy. It's very simple. Pick the one (laughs) that you think's going to win. That's personally what I would do. If you think there are going to be goals for both teams, then maybe pick the one that you think is going to have to save the most shots. But ultimately, I have both of them currently in my team. I'm going to pick Edison because with how Chelsea are playing at the minute, I think he's got a much better chance of keeping a clean sheet than Mendy. And Mendy uh, Mendy got injured at the weekend. However, uh, his scans have came back positive and Thomas Tuchel believes that he will be able to play in the final. But that doesn't really matter anyway. I still would prefer Edison. Looking... Then at defenders, I think it's going to be the hardest batch to pick from. And I think there is going to be naturally differentials within defence. Chelsea most likely to play a back five anyway. So you've got a spread of five defenders from Chelsea to choose from. And then obviously Man City play a back four. And then you've, so you've got another four defenders to choose from. So we have nine valid defenders and, and people are probably laughing going well well good maths Daniel what are you going to do that with midfield and attack but no that's not the case like there is one forward to pick unless you're going to take a risk on Aguero or Jesus coming off the bench like do you really want to pick Kovacic from Chelsea no that it's what I'm talking about are actual options and every single defender from both teams is legitimately a valid option. Zinchenko, because of his price point, allows you to pick more expensive players elsewhere. So it's a great pick providing new players. John Stones' goal threat. Ruben Diaz's ball recoveries and his nailed-on position to start. Kyle Walker bombing up that right-hand side, but also his ball recovery points. All of the Chelsea defenders, when switched on, have been possible for clean sheets. And the proved against City in the semi-final, I'm not going to count the 2-1 in the league because there were two completely different teams, especially Man City's. But the back five there are more than keep, capable of keeping a clean sheet, in my opinion, providing Kante's in front of them. But then Ben Chilwell's ability to get assists and goals. Rudiger's pitched in with goals. Aspilicueta's pitched in with assists and a red card at the weekend. So... There are some attacking threats there. For me, if you want to go Zinchenko, if he plays, I think that's good to facilitate elsewhere. But beyond that, I think you have to go for the players that you think have the biggest attacking threat. Reese James has been playing the right-sided centre-back in a back three, whilst Aspilicueta has been, been playing right-wing back. So I don't think Reese James is an option. I, I dare say I don't think Thiago Silva is an option. I think you've got Rudiger, Chilwell, and 
Aspilicueta from Chelsea. And I think genuinely Zinchenko, John Stones from Man City. And I think that would be, if you are picking five defenders, obviously you might want to play a 4-5-1, but if you were picking five of the nine, those would be my five. I, I think ball recovery points is going to be absolutely massive because the potential for a clean sheet, like we could all, like everybody who's still playing the game are going to have people from the defense. What's going to separate people to help climb ranks is picking the right defender who gets the ball recovery points and the clean sheet, if there is a clean sheet. And if both teams end up scoring, that ball recovery points is going to be the difference. So for example, like Dan, you might you might pick Rudiger, like you already have him in your team, and I might pick Thiago Silva. Like that is going to be a deciding factor for people around you in your ranks. And so I've just went on the the sorted and you can put on ball how many balls have been recovered. Kyle Walker has the most, yeah. 61. Cancelo, 51. Diaz, 50. I think Diaz is kind of what you were discussing before about that safe pick. Um, but then Thiago Silva and Rudiger stand out to me because they haven't played as many minutes as the people above them, and yet they're still pretty close in numbers. Like Thiago Silva over his last three games, uh, he's averaging about six ball recoveries a game. As Bilaqueta, I guess it just depends if he plays on the as a right back. But he only got two ball recoveries in the last game against Real Madrid. So it's that's gonna be a, a huge deciding factor for me, depending on which defender to choose from. Because Thiago Silva seems really good at ball recoveries for the the limited minutes that he's actually played. He's cheaper than the others, well, other than Rudiger. It, it, so it's just another kind of spanner in the works to try and sort through these defenders. Me personally, I'm going to try and, and field all of my defenders because like what you said, there's only going to be one striker. Well, I'm most likely going to be going for five midfielders. I think I'm going for a 4-5-1. Spoiler alert. Um, for formations later, we'll, we'll dive into that in a bit more more detail. But if I go on to on to midfielders, it's really hard to find differentials for this. I think there's obviously going to be a lot of safety picks, but the joy is you can't have everyone. And we know the outstanding assets for City. They are Kevin De Bruyne, who for me is the number one asset. Number one. Mares, number two. Phil Ford, number three. Ilkay Gundogan, number four. That's for the City boys. And then in terms of safety picks for, for Chelsea, I think it's it's Canteen Mount, which leaves the real differentials being Zayek, Habits, Pulisic. And also whoever partners with Gundogan in the kind of the defensive midfield option. We've got Fernandinho at 2% and Rodri 4%. So they could be potential yeah. uh, differential players well, I think, there. I think, well, first of all, you're right. And I think Fernandinho is more than likely to start because Rodri has been incredibly poor. 
he, he's been at fault for so many Man City goals recently, and we forever called him nothing more than slightly above average on this podcast. And if anything, I think he's getting worse. I think he's incredibly lucky to be playing in such a talented and gifted side because, in my opinion, he doesn't pull his weight. Fernandinho's came in and looked like a 25-year-old signing again. That is how... I don't know whether that's how good Fernandinho's been or how poor Rodri's been, probably a bit of both. Fernandinho with a clean sheet and two assists at the weekend, but he is a defender on FPL, but I think he's a midfielder on this game. Is that right? Yeah. So it does lower things a little bit. And as much as he can get ball recoveries, (laughs) he also deserves a yellow card every single game. So I actually really like that pick for a holding midfielder. If you're looking to get away from Kante or Jorginho, Obviously, we're going to have the team news. So if someone doesn't play, it's fine. You just replace them with the other. But if it was Rodri, I wouldn't go anywhere near Rodri. I just think we're only allowed eight people from each team. I'm not sure if I want one of those players to be a holding midfielder from Man City when I think they've got the best attacking options. But we're probably just going to have to see how it goes. With regards to Habits, Pulisic and Zayek, who, who's the one that you think out of those three could really break the mould in this game? I'm keeping an eye on Pulisic personally. I think that the 2% is like very, very appealing. I just think whenever he's came off the bench for Chelsea, I think he's made a huge difference to the game. I can't believe he's not starting, to be fair. He's much better than Werner. Because I don't know what Werner offers you that Pulisic doesn't, and that's just that's just my view. I but agree. Like, I mean, Werner just runs in behind most of the time offside. At least Pulisic can do that. He's just as quick, and he can actually finish. <laughs> so if Pulisic starts, I think he's going to be one of my midfielders. In I'm keeping a close eye on him. I think. Between those three players, for me, it's probably Habits that I'd be the most tempting. He's had a little bit of injury trouble over the last few weeks. If he doesn't start, it's not worth it. But he was absolute mustard against Real Madrid. He was so silky. And he, he struggled at the beginning of the season. There were lots of questions. Is he worth all the money? I don't think he's done enough to prove that he is worth that much yet. But I definitely think he was well on his way to becoming the player that Chelsea thought they had signed before uh, he got injured. Also, Tuchel's constant rotation, I don't think, helps that front three. I don't think there's any cohesion between them because Mount's really the only permanent fixture. And then, obviously, you've got Werner, Zayek, Havertz, Pulisic, all rotating. And be fair, Werner is getting far too much time in that team versus Pulisic and Havertz. For me, I'm not the manager, but if I was, I'd be having Havertz in that false nine with Mount and Pulisic running beyond. That would just be my personal tactics. It's ballsy to go for one of them, but if they hit, I think you're going to get points that no one else will get. So that's the upside of things. And ultimately, 
every team, I think, has got to have one punt. Otherwise, you are just going to have all of the same team as everyone else. You're not going to get any movement. That being said, going for four or five differentials could be really bad for you because if a couple of the big boys do hit you and yours don't, then you are going to be suffering huge red arrows. So I think it's about taking calculated risks. I think going for one of those three, let's leave Zayek out of the conversation because I don't think he'll play or certainly not start. Havertz or Pulisic would be my top picks for differentials. And now that you've said it, Fernandinho does sound slightly appealing as well. Just last thing, just looking at the lineups for that Chelsea put out against Man City both times, Ziyech started in both and he scored in both. So, although he was substituted soon after. <laughs> so That's fair. No, it's fair. I, th- I don't know whether that's Tuchel's kind of tactics. Yes, it was a Man City B-side both times. It, it's just, I don't know whether that kind of plays the same way that he did with, with James against Leicester, playing him as like the, the right-sided centre-back to deal with Vardy. And he did that twice, two times in a row. I don't know whether in Tuchel's mind he sees Ziyech as someone who can try and create more passing lanes for Werner to run into. Well, for me, I think the clearest indication would be Chelsea's lineups against Real Madrid. Yeah. Which saw in the second leg, Kai Havertz and Werner sort of play up front. For the first leg, it was Pulisic and Werner up front. So I think it's, it's obviously a very different team, Man City and Real Madrid, but I think that would give me the clearest indication of where Tuchel was going. The biggest driving force for me in this game is whether N'Golo Kante plays or not. Uh, a, because I have him in my team, and B, I think he's the most important player in that team. So moving on to forwards. Wow, we've got a real, real handful trying to pick between these lot, haven't we? It's... um. We may as well go through every forward on the game. We've got Werner, Giroud and Abraham. So Abraham's likely not to be in the squad. I don't know what's happened there. I'm sure he's Chelsea's top goal scorer. I know Jorginho is, but Jorginho's all penalties. Yeah. Um, but he's still a proven goal scorer. Giroud likely to get on for five minutes. Whatever team Abraham goes to in the summer is going to greatly benefit them. and I'd love him. I'd love him up here. Like, I, I just think, because we, before Tuchel came to Chelsea and worked as magic, um, we were never a fan of him. Like, I'm still very sceptical of him. Uh, kind of, his tactics, I think, are off sometimes. And I think he almost threw, well, he almost threw away the top four. And, and just, there's too many incidents like that throughout his career I think this side's the best that he's managing because I feel like it's kind of a lot of world-class players without any superstars to manage, if uh, if you get what I mean. Yeah. But I still don't understand whether it's just a personal beef or what his issue is with, with Tammy Abraham. The fact that I think it wasn't Abraham's girlfriend posted it on social yep. media that Abraham was watching... No, he, that he wasn't even watching the match and that he was in the car with her. Just something like that. And 
you just know something's wrong. And I just think whatever, like whatever team he's going to get transferred to in the summer, he's it's going to be class. I think Tuchel is proving everything that we've said perfectly correct. And it's your exact words, Aaron, that he is a great coach and not a very good manager. And we've seen what his coaching can do. He's an excellent coach, but some of his decisions are shambolic at times. And you're right, it has almost cost them. And look, if he doesn't want to start Tammy Abraham, that's fine. But to not have, out of all your strikers, the person who has scored the most goals, not even on your bench for an FA Cup final, is just so arrogant and is a legitimately poor decision. Even the other day against Aston Villa, Tammy Abraham obviously used to play for Aston Villa, knows the defenders well, scored goals for Aston Villa, scored goals last season. Are you telling me he's not, he can't score a goal against Aston Villa? He's the most capable person that Chelsea have of scoring goals against weaker opposition. Now, if you want to play him in a Champions League final, I totally respect that because I don't think he's quite got the time. Not the talent, he's got loads of talent, but he's not quite there yet to be challenging Diaz and John Stones if they're playing one up front. I do think that a more collective team effort to pull players out of positions using Pulisic and Habits and Mount would be more beneficial. But if you're losing the game with 10 minutes to go and you need a goal, then yes, stick him on. He's a handful. Uh, which leaves us for Chelsea with Timo Werner. And he's the most likely person to play. So the question is, let's presume Man City's forwards don't start. We've got Jesus and Sergio, the King Aguero. Do we have, first of all, do you want to play three forwards? <laughs> no, is my opinion. Probably don't even want two of them. I think you go all in on one of them. And then either play five in midfield and four at the back or five at the back and four midfield. Whatever your preference, whatever you're into. And you go with the one. So the question is, do you risk Aguero and Jesus coming off the bench or do you go for the time advantage of, if Werner starts, him having 90 minutes on the pitch most likely? I think with Werner, like we know how good he was last year in the Bundesliga and how good he was for Leipzig. And I think I just got like put off him when Tuchel said like, oh, he doesn't need to work on his finishing. It's kind of like asking a girl out or whatever, to, or whatever joke he was trying to make. I think that's absolutely the right time to work on your finishing. Like Ronaldo and Shearer and stuff like that. Like you hear the stories about that they stayed behind and just like smashed penalties, like to work on their finishing. At the peak of their powers, they didn't need to, but they did. And that's what separates them. I'm sure that was just all for the for the press to say, like, oh no, he doesn't need to. He's he's good enough. But from what you we're seeing on the pitch. Memory from when you're six. Yeah. <laughs> rubbish. From what we're seeing on the pitch, it doesn't look like he's practicing his finishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if that's true and he actually isn't, and from what we're seeing, he's not, I just think it's crazy. And that's like the ultimate differential move. Like if you're just going full punt, so like you're not happy with your rank at all, but you've kind of written it off and you just want to laugh, put like just go three forwards and put all subs like Aguero coming off the bench, Giroud coming off the bench, 
just go for it. <laughs> Cap- <laughs> Captain one of them as well. That's uh, you know what, Aaron, you you've got a way of just of just being the devil on my shoulder. I'm such a religious man, but <laughs> the devil on my shoulder. I meant to be doing this. It's meant to be the other way around. Uh, I I love that. I think a, a, an Aguero Verna double up with Andrew Roo. I feel really bad slagging off Timo Werner as well because when he does interviews, he looks like a really nice lad. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, I'd go for a pipe with you. He looks proper sound, uh, and I think he's clearly a really liked person within the club, and the manager really likes him. But none of that helps with me and my my fantasy team. I'm gonna have a look at the teams, but I at the minute with how Werner's been playing, I I think my punt may be Aguero coming off the bench and risking having ten players. Uh, it, it. I think a lot of it depends on N'Golo Kante, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because if if Kante doesn't start, I have him in my team, so I need to transfer him out. He's, he's the one safety transfer that I had left. If that's the case, then I am going to have to put in a, another midfielder at the end of the day or another defender and play five at the back, whatever I prefer. But if I don't have to make that change, then I'd have one more transfer. So I'm, I may go for Werner and Aguero front, play Aguero. And then if he does, I, I, I trust he can do something off the bench. And if he doesn't, then Werner can come on for his inevitable two-pointer. That's what I'm thinking at the minute. But it's, I might even just want to get rid of Kanti anyway and go for someone else. It's, I'm not too sure. The, the team sheets are going to be massive in my decision-making. So I don't want to, be promising any listeners exactly what I'm doing when that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. I think the fairy tale is that Aguero comes off the bench and has another like Aguero moment. Another, yeah. Well, I mean, he had those against Everton, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And he kind of made up for his Penenka disaster, which was funnily enough against Chelsea. So I think yeah. if he does come off the bench, he's going to be even more fired up to to do it. And I think if de- depends how I feel on Saturday, like if I see the lineups it, and I'm not happy with how they're set up or anything like that, I might just go Aguero up front just for the fairy tale. If it doesn't work out, yes. like I, I fell in love with the fairy tale. I think you'll come on. Yeah. Like, I do think you'll come on. If, um, if Man City are winning, I think that, if it's a comfortable margin, they'll come on just to give him a send-off. Um, if they're losing, he'll come on. If it's a close game, he might come on in extra time. Uh, but you take that. You, with the energy yeah. showed against Everton, him against a tired defence. No, I was just saying there's no scenario that we've kind of just outlined that uh, that doesn't put me off. I think it's a good segue as well in the formation because obviously we're, we're sort of discussing formations anyway. And... I just, just I, th- I think I've actually said all that I want to say on it, except for one thing, and it's the battle of do you have four at the back or five at the back versus you know four midfield, five midfield. So I think we've sort of agreed that one up front, unless you're being a maverick, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I'd personally say go five in midfield, and the reason is the game is unlikely to finish nil-nil, and it's not because of the 90 minutes. It's the other half an hour on the end of the nil-nil, if that's the way it finishes, that would be most concerning because goals still count in extra time. And we 
had the disaster of Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool last year, Aaron, where that game, because of extra time, cost us well over, like, it must have been 20 points or something insane because of all the Liverpool defenders were had. In, and that's the thing with this game. If it, if it does finish nil-nil, the dream result for your five defenders and goalkeeper, they've got to go another half hour with players like Aguero on the pitch, most likely. So because of that reason, I think I'd prefer to go four and edge my bets on trying to get the player that scores. Mm-hmm. No, I think one of them, if, unless it goes to penalties, someone is scoring. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to try and like kind of balance out maybe have like two defenders from each team just so that it's covered. I, I'm still unsure what I do with my goalkeeper, but we'll discuss that after. I think five midfielders is probably the best to go. And maybe even having three Man City midfielders just because they're likely to play with the false nine. So it's basically you're playing a 4-4-2 with one of their midfielders playing as the striker. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair though, I think with Chelsea's midfielders, it's fairly similar. If Havertz a Pulisic start, likely to be in a striker's position. So I think going for one of them, you could you could really have, despite having no strikers starting in terms of the game's positioning, as far as the team's concerned, actually quite a few strikers playing. But we've got to see where KDB's playing. Havertz, Pulisic, Bernardo Silva, whether it's going to be him up there. Phil Foden can play up there. So... There will be opportunities there to, to find the players that are going to score the goals. I'm in agreement with you with the defence. I think I'm going to split. I'm going to go Edison over Mendy and then two of each. Go for my five midfielders, which are to be determined. I already have Mount, Kante, Foden and Mares. So the most likely scenario is I keep those four and I've got enough money to get KDB as the fifth. I think that's the smartest thing to do. So... Aaron, you've already said that you've got enough to to fill your 11 spots. But if you didn't, let's say you only had enough for nine or 10 players, what would you do? Would you be taking hits? No, I was very tempted to do this last year and my rank would have dropped even further because I think that finals, they're not like high scoring games, but they're very rarely, there's not many clean sheets either. So the last two finals, there was a clean sheet. Paris Saint-Germain didn't score and Tottenham didn't score. But then following from that, there wasn't a clean sheet in a final until back in 2010, which was Inter Milan. So it's almost been a decade of both teams scoring. And that would put me off from taking a hit because unless you brought in for the hit the player that is going to score. I think five transfers is enough to be able to actually field and kind of cover as many bases as you can. Anything extra from like a defense or I think that's just bad luck, but I wouldn't tear apart your team to try and do it for the final. It's only one game. Your rank, if you take a hit, it could change dramatically because a point is huge in this game. Yeah. And this isn't like the end of the season where teams are on the beach. This is two elite level teams going at it. And if you took a hit for a midfielder, for that midfielder to score, and let's say that midfielder does score, you're still likely only going to get somewhere between 
a three and five point gain for it. So let's say three. I think three is the most reasonable. Um, if they win one nil, you know, they get a goal and the clean sheet points, they get eight points. Oh, yeah, so four points overall, let's say. It's up to you whether you want to risk four points to try and get four points, but you've also got to think, the player that you're bringing in for a hit, is this player a differential? Because if, if he's not, it's a total waste of time because everyone else is getting those points as well. Like If you're going to take a hit to get KDB in, you're out of your mind because everyone has KDB in. So you're not going to gain anything. You are literally just going to lose points in relativity to others at least. So if you want to take a hit for a differential, be aware of the risk, but I'll always support a Maverick. Go for it. I personally, obviously we personally don't need to, but if I was in the same situation, I wouldn't be taking hits. I'm with you. If you were going to field nine or 10 players in that case, Aaron, I think we've answered this question, but where, what positions would you be aiming to fill? Because obviously you're going to have to leave positions out. I would look to either, if you don't have any forwards, I think that's probably the most likely people having Benzema and Neymar Mbappe. Honestly, I would just leave the forwards. I would go like kind of that four five yeah. and just leave the forwards because I think any points from any of these strikers in this game is just a bonus. Yeah. Uh, and if, yeah, weren't having any more of them, I would try and go three, five. <laughs> so like, if you didn't have a defender, <laughs> I agree. Like just try and fill the midfield slots. You've convinced me uh, from what you were saying before about the kind of the false nines for both teams. I think you just need to if, fill all midfield slots. And if you don't have a goalkeeper, if you're an unlucky sod that had Navas and Couture, and you don't have enough transfers to get a goalkeeper spot, because we know the fixtures, because you don't need a bench, I would still prioritise defenders over goalkeepers because and midfielders as well, because they have ball recoveries, which are more likely than save points, and also the opportunity to score goals. And Alisson isn't playing in this game, so... Unless Edison gets a pen, <laughs> but I, I don't, he is not taking a pen. Like he is not. Mares, KDB, or Aguero, if he's on the pitch, one of those three are, are a, above him in the pecking order. So still go for defenders. Prioritize the goalkeeper last for a final. I think. Um, like last year, it depends what way you went. You got burnt if you went with Navas, and it was great if you got Naya. But ultimately, if Mbappe had finished his chances, then that would have been gone as well. Whereas Joshua Kimmich got an assist and he's a, he's a defender on the game. So even if they had have lost the clean sheet points, he still got bonus on top of it. In fact, the Bayern Munich defenders last year, if I remember correctly, got like three ball recovery points each or something mad like that. So I wouldn't be prioritizing goalkeepers in the slightest. If you don't have one, it's fine. Just get your midfield and your defence sword, then worry about your forwards and your goalkeeper. And I think that's only advice for... I think the goalkeeper is probably advice for all seasons for the final. But the forwards is... This is the only final where we I think we'll ever give this advice. Mm -hmm. So who do you think is the best captain shout? I'm probably... For Man City, I think De Bruyne. I think yes. the way that he had been... He'd been rested quite a bit since the Man City's last Champions League game, which is nice because he's been struggling with injury throughout the season uh, for quite a bit. So, and then he started against Everton and just showed that he's 
he's still top. Unbelievable. So <laughs> I think I think other than the games that they did against Paris Saint-Germain, I think it was actually only the second leg against Paris Saint-Germain. He's still on average 10 points per game. And you just want your best chance. And I think he's your best chance of getting double figures from a captain. Uh, so he's probably mine for Man City. For Chelsea, um, I would probably go... Actually, I'm not, probably not going to bother. I'd probably prioritise a couple of Man City players before a Chelsea captain. Probably Mares next on my list. And yep. then maybe Foden after that for me. Yeah, totally agree with you. KD being number one, Mares number two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you're going to go for a differential captain, it has to be from your gut. So we can't, we can't advise on that. It's just got to be your gut. Like with obviously us picking Man City captains, I've actually got to bring one of those players in. So we'll talk about our our transfers. Aaron, I've already mentioned one, so I've brought Durin. I've got four left, and looking at them, I've I've sort of got them penciled in. So I'll be looking to go Casemiro to De Bruyne, which I've already mentioned, and at the minute I've got Sergio Ramos to John Stones, but that. I've got the money. It could be Ruben Diaz or Kyle Walker. Currently, I've got Oli Zinchenko in the back there as well. So it all depends on if he plays, because if he doesn't play, then he'll need to come out for another Manchester City defender. And at the minute, I've also got Timo Werner coming on up front. If Kante and Zinchenko don't need replacing, then I'll take Benzema out for Aguero and do what I said earlier. Genuinely, I'll put Aguero up front and hope he comes off the bench just for the crack. Uh, just see what he can do but that they're the they're the transfers that I'm looking to make John Stones Kevin De Bruyne Timo Werner in at the minute and that Juro shout has been great for me because it's really allowed me the flexibility to have whoever I want whenever I want which is so important when I'm going to have less than an hour to make my final decision because of the team sheets mm-hmm. have you got your transfers all lined up yet? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, um, if Pulisic starts, he's definitely coming in uh, for me. Um, so that would be Casemiro to Pulisic. Um, I'm really not sure about the Man City left-back situation. I've got both Cancelo and Zinchenko, so one of them are going to go out, depending on who starts. Uh, so my gut feeling is that Zinchenko will play. I think Cancelo over the last few weeks has been a bit more of a liability to yep. to Pep. And so he frees up a lot of funds and he's owned by 19% of people. So unless all of them get rid, I think that I'm in a good position to get rid of him. I need to find a replacement for Ramos as well. So that's two defender slots. I've already got Chilwell, Diaz and Zinchenko. So I would probably look at bringing in either Thiago Silva just for them ball recovery points, or I might just try and go aggressive and get Kyle Walker. But then that would go against my advice I said earlier in the podcast about splitting. And then it just really depends on my forward. Uh, And then I've got two. If I go Benzema to, to Werner, I've still got like 2 million left to use. 
And so I don't know whether to go Mendy to Edison or even just trying to upgrade Kante to maybe an, a more offensive midfielder. So it's kind of all up in the air for me right now, but I would say in order, definitely have to address the left back situation for Man City. I've got both of them in, so I just need to potentially just transfer the other one who doesn't play. If it's Cancelo and Zinchenko and Kyle Walker doesn't play for some reason, then I'm in a really good spot because I don't have to waste <laughs> a transfer, but that won't happen. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, even though I've got Neymar, Icardi sitting on my bench, and that's a lot of funds, that's 20 million, I've still got like three or four million I can play around with. So even if Cancelo starts, I can still upgrade Zinchenko to like Rudiger or Thiago Silva. Yeah. So I'm not stressed on on funds, thankfully. So just sort of finally, before we go into our predictions for the game, just looking at the spread of my team, at the minute I've got six City players in there and I've got five Chelsea players. If I make the Aguero move from Werner, then it'll be seven and four. How are you spreading? How do you want to spread yours? Are you going for even distribution just so that you can maximise your chances? Or are you going to really try and like hone in on Man City? Because, uh, spoiler for the predictions, it sounds like you think they're going to win. Yeah, um, I've went huge on Man City assets since the knockout stages. Uh, I've, I think I've had like the maximum allocation of players through the whole knockout stages, uh, which has been quite risky, but they were always my favourites to win. So I'm not going to change my mind now. I think, well, as I'm speaking right now, I'm not going to change my mind. But when it comes to the lineups, I always end up panicking and doing something crazy. So <laughs> to be honest, I think I am going to try and have maybe two, three or at a maximum four Chelsea players and have the rest Man City. I don't even know what the maximum number is. Is it six that you're Eight, eight from each team. Yeah, that makes sense because there's 15 players. So yeah, I would probably try and just maximize Man City assets. Uh, at the, currently, I've got six Man City players, but two of them play in the same position. So technically five Yeah, and three Chelsea players. So I'm probably going to keep that kind of percentage. Yeah, I'm going for the percentage, and I did this last year with the Bayern Munich PSG game, and I actually did all right in that in that game. I think I got 55 points in the one game. I I try and set my team up for this sort of situation with the percentage to what I attribute each team's chance of winning the game. So I think Man City have a out of 100% have a 60% chance of winning this game, and Chelsea 40. The reason why I believe that is because Manchester City absolutely rampant at the weekend. We know how dominant they can be when they want to turn it on. They are the best team in the world. However, Chelsea did so well against Real Madrid and it really turned the corner under Tuchel that I thought this is going to be a t- such a tough game. And then they even go and beat them in the FA Cup semi-final. And that's massive. It's absolutely massive. So... I was really, really confused when we did our last podcast, thinking, oh my God, what am I, I going to do? But Chelsea bottling the FA Cup, uh, trying to throw away their top four aspirations, and Golo, Kante injured. And I appreciate 
Kante plays in the FA Cup final, but but since then he's been out and you know they got beat off Arsenal as well. I just think that Man City's chances of winning this game have improved slightly, but we still need to show respect to Chelsea because they have caused an upset before. So I don't want to go all in. I'm going to assess my sort of own feelings on the percentage chance of what I think each team's got of winning. I think if N'Golo Kante isn't playing in this game, then I think Man City's chances shoot right up because I don't trust Jorginho and Kovacic in holding midfield against world-class footballers and especially against a team like Manchester City. So if Kante is not fit to play, he'll be coming out and I'll be putting in another Manchester City midfielder for sure. Mm-hmm. I think one thing as well that both both of these managers are kind of, especially with the how deep their squads are for rotating and just kind of trying to throw like a curveball. I think if Tuchel tries to like start Alonso or someone like that over Chilwell or tries to do something like that, like when you say Kante might not play, like it's actually in the realm of possibility that you don't start your best defensive midfielder with just how Tuchel tries to play some of these games. And like the way that he lined up in the FA Cup final, like you just don't put it past him. While I think with Man City, even though he does rotate a lot, I think we know and I think Pep knows his strongest eleven. So I think for once, the Man City lineup is actually easier to predict than the Chelsea one. But thankfully, we're still able to see the lineups before our teams are confirmed. So thank goodness for that. So let's wrap up with our predictions. Aaron, what score are you going to give this? I'm going to go with 2-1 to Man City. I think it's all going to be Man City attack. I think they'll be a bit cagey because this is their first Champions League final. So they'll be cagey in the first half. I think Chelsea will score first, add to the nerves, go in, have like an unreal like Hollywood kind of halftime, a pep talk, as they would say. <laughs> and then Man City come out, equalize. Aguero comes off the bench, scores the winner. Perfect send-off. Everyone's crying. That's my prediction. Uh, I've got two predictions. Uh, if N'Golo Kante plays, I think it'll be 1-0 to Manchester City. If he doesn't play, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 5-0 Man City. So you both times you see Man City clean sheet? Yeah. Well, that's made my decision. I'm bringing in Edison. Who are you, who are your keepers? Uh, Mendy and then Claudio Ramos from Porto. Oh, nah. Just keep Mendy, you lunatic. Unless, it, unless you've got a transfer. If you've got a spare transfer, then absolutely bring him in. I'd try and be making gains elsewhere. Yeah, but also, true. absolutely depends on N'Golo Kante. Yeah. I've got a clean sheet if he plays or not. But if he does play, I think actually the clean sheet for Man City is less likely as well. Like it could be a 2-1. Just a really tight, boring affair. Because Kante loves stopping other people's fun. So, yeah. I'd, I think Chelsea are going to really struggle. Uh, if you'd asked me before the FA Cup final... I think I'd actually put a bet on Chelsea upsetting them again. But how they've played since then is just chalk and cheese. So, yeah. Can't hear the key, man. Should we wrap this up? Anything else? Any more for any more? No, just hope everyone enjoys watching it. It's uh, 
I know in the UK it's free on YouTube if you don't have BT Sports. So make sure you. If you're not in the UK, Nord VPN. <laughs> I'm sure Beyond it's free Sports to watch everywhere. Much. I just don't know what the channel is in other countries. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it will be. I'm but YouTube's surely worldwide. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully everyone's got the opportunity to watch it. I think it's scandalous that any person should have to pay to watch for a cup final of any description. I appreciate a lot of money's involved, but you know, charge for the rest of the season, give, give the finals to the people. I, I think obviously the kind of had to for this year, because they can't have as many people in the stadium. So there are people that would legitimately have bought tickets. Aaron, are we playing Euro fantasy? I believe we are, Dan. Right. Okay. So I best get some stuff planned for that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think that I think that's going to be a light-hearted podcast on the Euro Fantasy. Um, because we are going to have a busy summer doing our Champions League preview show again. So we will yeah. be back for that. Another in-depth round by round, group by group, team by team, player by player assessment of all those teams that we need for the group stages. So I think for the Euros, we'll probably just you know, some light-hearted stuff, just have a lap. We'll make yeah. sure Cameron and Nathan can get on as well and have a bit of a giggle, I think. A bit more light-hearted. I think as as well, like I think from what I've seen on Twitter, a lot of FPL content creators are getting into the Euro game. So if you are looking for more serious stuff, like if you've got like a work league, not that I'm picking up theirs, but if you they'll give you the stats. I think the advantage that we have listening to us is that we've covered these European players all year and they're only just trying to catch up so that's an advantage for us but we're not going to take it too seriously it's just for a laugh we want to enjoy the tournament and uh laugh at england at the end of the day so (laughs) (laughs) we'll be very impartial except against england come on england (laughs) that being said guys we hope you've had a great season. We've thoroughly enjoyed being on from the start to the finish. Like I say, we'll be back next year. Please, please, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at UCL Fantasy Pod. We are on all of the good streaming services. We even put stuff up on YouTube without a video. Please retweet us, get us sent out. We want to try and grow next year. We've done incredible. Well done, Aaron. Well done to you. Um, we've done incredible this year. We went from having like 12 followers to 612, I think. So it's as far as we're concerned, it's been a great year. We don't monetize anything. We don't have a Patreon. We don't do anything like that. We just do this because we absolutely love it. So the fact that people want to willingly join us on this is just incredible. So just thank you to everyone and everyone on Twitter that's supported us and retweeted us and spread the love and sent us DMs and my own little uh, Twitter clan. We've uh, we've got our own group for the fantasy game. All the lads in there, top notch. And thank you so much because we wouldn't have the followers without you for sure. So thanks everyone. We hope you have a really enjoyable final, regardless of the points. Into the lads at the top. Best of best of luck, and may the best person win. Bye now.